Well, welcome to our Thinking Biblically podcast. So glad that you've joined us. I'm Jeff Norris and uh, have with me today three very special folks that uh, are joining me for a discussion that we're going to have on City Impact. Before I introduce them, let me let me tell you just a little bit about this podcast and how it differs from one of our other main channel podcasts out of Perimeter Church. So like I said, we call this one Thinking Biblically. Our other one is called Digging Deeper. And Digging Deeper is a podcast that we do on a very consistent basis because it's attached to our teaching series that we do on Sundays at the church. And so with every series that we do on a Sunday morning, there will be at least one Digging Deeper podcast. Uh, With Thinking Biblically, it's not as often that we do one of these. In fact, it's been pretty much a little over nine months since we did the last one. And and, uh, we did several in 2020. This is the first one that we're doing in 2021, and and the heart behind these is to take an issue, sometimes perhaps even controversial or being talked about in our culture um, a lot, and, and we want to just say, look, how can we think about this issue, this topic, um, how can we think about it biblically, and how can we begin to shape our minds and the rhythms of our lives in a way that would be glorifying to God according to what He has laid out for us in Scripture. And so we've done that before. Uh, there really, honestly, has not been that many things that we have said, we really need to do a Thinking Biblically podcast on that so far in 2021. But now that we're really pressing in as a church um, into what we're calling City Impact, we felt like this would be a good time to do one, to do a Thinking Biblically podcast and to say, okay, uh, as we think more and more and move out more and more, with City Impact, let's make sure, let's do everything that we can to anchor it biblically, to understand why this is something that we are not only convinced, but even convicted of by God to say this is where we need to be headed as we uh, seek to bring God's kingdom and the flourishing of that kingdom to bear where we live and in the, the cities where we live and where we work and play. So that's that's what's uh, the focus of this this one uh, today and this, this week. This is going to be part one of of two parts, and and honestly, hopefully, it will uh, even begin a, a launching of a new channel for us. That's the eventual desire. We'll see if it leads there, but we'd love to do a part one and a part two of Thinking Biblically on City Impact, and then, Lord willing, we'll see if that ends up being a City Impact channel that is a third podcast channel for Perimeter Church. So let me introduce you. I've got with me here um, to my left, sitting to my left, is uh, Chip Sweeney, dear friend and brother, and on our executive leadership team oversees, Chip oversees all of our ministries that would go outside the four walls of this church. So we might call those extension ministries. His official title is that uh, he oversees Greater Atlanta and Global Transformation. Now, the Lord oversees that, but but Chip, as it pertains to perimeter... That's uh, good to remind everybody of that, yeah, Jeff. Thank that's you. That's right, yes. Uh, he's the one who, with perimeter, he the ministries that fit into those categories he is overseeing. To his left is Tony Thomas. Uh, many of you, if you've been around Perimeter for recently, you've been able to see Tony uh, on stage a bit more and uh, preaching some and worship pastoring some. Uh, he is uh, everything from what he's contributed to City Impact, and he's a City Impact uh, connoisseur, if you will, in the ways that he's helped us in this endeavor uh, but also moving towards in the next uh, year, perhaps moving towards planting church planting and doing that out of perimeter as well. And then to my right is Travis Vaughn. Some of you may recognize Travis from uh, being on a Digging Deeper podcast with us recently. Uh, Travis has been also been helping us um, with uh, with City Impact in a significant way. Uh, but also he is um, the executive director of Metro Atlanta Collective and uh, has really been swimming in the waters a lot over the years of city renewal. And so in some ways, I, you know, I look at Travis, I look at all three of these guys this way, but perhaps maybe no offense to Tony and Chip as the resident expert in the room is Travis. And so with that, Travis, I'm going to let you facilitate our time today. You, you have come with some really good questions for us to discuss and consider. And so I'm going to hand it over to you, brother. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the why behind City Impact today. That's kind of where we want to start, and hopefully we'll get a little bit into the how. But if we're starting there, um, 
Jeff, why don't we just stay with you? Talk a little bit more about the vision and mission of Perimeter. How is Perimeter's vision informed by Scripture? This is the podcast, Thinking Biblically. So Scripture's good. Yeah, Scripture's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we start there? Yeah. Well, in in I, I think the reason you're asking that question is because even before we can start talking city impact, you got to start with, okay, well, where does this even fit into the vision of the church and the mission of the church? And so, um, yeah, so the vision of Perimeter Church, um, some of you may be listening and going, okay, I've heard this a thousand times, but we, we have to keep it in front of us because it's so important. But we long to see individuals, families, greater Atlanta and the world come into a life-transforming encounter with the kingdom of God. And uh, that's our statement. We might sum up that statement uh, by saying just two words, holistic transformation. We, we want to see God do transforming work holistically as it pertains to the individual, the family, throughout greater Atlanta and the world. And, um, and with that, it's, you know, that statement, interestingly enough, and I shared this with our officers recently, is not new in the sense of we had a different, a little bit of a different vision statement when, when I became senior pastor two years ago. But, but by all practical purposes, it was saying the same thing, but a little bit different language. And as I was tweaking and toying with it and thinking, okay, is there a need to change any of this wording? It resonates with me. It's a great vision statement. Just sometimes with leadership change, you want to tweak some things to maybe represent a little bit more to who you are and where you feel like God is leading and I was writing a bunch of stuff down, and each time I'd write a, a variation of a vision statement, I'd go, eh, I don't really like that. And it's somewhere along the way, Chip, it may have been you, I don't remember, somebody brought to my attention the original vision statement of Perimeter Church all the way back at the beginning, forty now 44 years ago. And I read it, and it just leapt off the page at me. I just was like, whoa, that's it. Like, that's that's what I've been, I've been trying to tweak this thing, but that's what I've been trying to say. And the original vision statement had the very same language that's at the end of the current one that we're using. So like I said, we say to see individuals, families, greater land in the world, this part right here, to come into a life-transforming encounter with the kingdom of God is the exact same language of the original vision statement. And really, the only thing that we added to it was the individual and the family, because that original vision statement said something to the effect, I don't remember exactly, but Greater Atlanta, yeah, right? Greater I mean, it Atlanta had Greater Atlanta and all Atlanta. the places we serve. And there it is. Which yep. Is, yep. Yeah, say that again, Chip. What was Greater that? Atlanta and all the places we serve come into a life-transforming encounter with the kingdom. Right. So the only thing we ended up tweaking was individuals, families, and then and the world, right? And we kept Greater Atlanta coming into a life-transforming encounter with the kingdom of God. Anyway, all that to say... That vision, the way that read, I just said, that's it. That's exactly where God is pressing us to continue to go in the years to come. And, and that was affirming to me because not only was it the way it was worded really grabbed my heart, but it was affirming that, yeah, God's saying, this is what I've always been calling Perimeter to do. This I've always been about establishing a local body of believers that would see the kingdom of God come in such a way that it would have exponential impact where we live as part of the vision and, our, and where we live is greater Atlanta and who we are in these suburban cities and, and town centers is connected, tethered to the greater city of Atlanta. And so how do we see the, the renewing work of the kingdom of God come in such a way that that's becoming more and more of reality. And so the mission behind that, if, if, if the vision is answering the question, where are we going? Mission is how are we going to get there? And the mission of the church is is uh, what we call spiritual multiplication. Vision is holistic transformation. Mission is is spiritual multiplication. We want to see disciples making disciples. And uh, and again, that's always been at the very heartbeat of of Perimeter Church. Randy for forever and ever has emphasized uh, biblical discipleship. And so, where we see this biblically, you said, where, where's the scripture? Um, you know, you, you start at the very beginning of the book of the Bible, right? Genesis one twenty eight. You, you see God saying, look, I've created man and woman in my image, and I've created them to multiply, right? He says, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth, have dominion over it. And so with that, there's this understanding that as image bearers of God, we were made to image him in all the earth. 
and we were made to multiply to uh, to take his image throughout the earth in a way that would bring glory to him, uh, and then to work and keep the world that he's given us to cultivate and and cause it to flourish. And we'll talk about that more in a moment. All that fell apart when we sinned, um, and all of creation itself, first and foremost, man and woman, but then all of creation itself was subjugated to the tyranny of sin and all that came with the fracturing of body and self and mind and, and creation. And so then Jesus shows up on the scene to bring renewal, redemption and renewal, reconciliation first and foremost to God. But then what does he say? What's the last recorded words of Jesus in Matthew? Therefore, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. So the Great Commission is a big part of our vision. We want to make disciples, but we want to make holistic disciples who are understanding uh, the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, I know we're going to talk more about that and, and kind of how it all fits together. But in terms of anchoring us, I would say you're looking at Genesis 1, 26 through 28. You're looking at Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And then you're looking at 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, you know, to make disciples, to entrust a faithful man who will turn around and, and uh, teach others. So um, that's where, where I would probably take us first as you think about vision and mission. No, that's good. You know, we, we talk about coming into a life-transforming encounter with the kingdom of God. And I, I know there's all kinds of discussion around, well, what is the kingdom of God? Uh, there's a lot of debate around that. Um, and we were talking before, actually before the podcast started, um, I brought up Anthony Hookema in his book, Saved by Grace. I think we mentioned Hookema a couple times on the Digging Deeper podcast. Um, but Hookema's definition on the kingdom of God is, is quite plain, uh, and I think it's a good place to start. He says, the kingdom of God is the reign of God over the entire created universe, dynamically active in human history through Jesus Christ. To be a subject of that kingdom means obedience to God in every area of life. Um, great definition and, and uh, defining kingdom. You know, the, the, the next question I had is, and Jeff, Chip, Tony, any of you can speak up to this, but what, we just defined, you know, kingdom of God. What is kingdom flourishing? And maybe what is it not? That's another thing we were talking about before the podcast. But what is kingdom flourishing? Why is this so important? Yeah, I've talked a lot off the top. So, uh, and our people, if, if you're a perimeter person listening to this, you've heard me explain this a few times probably. And so, Chip and Tony, I'm going to let you jump in here and then I'll, I'll add any commentary if, if necessary. Yeah, well, Jeff, you've um, talked a lot too about really the purpose of our church. So, even there's the vision and mission, but the purpose of our church um, is kingdom flourishing. And I think when we talk biblically, right, we begin to look at, um, in the Hebrew, the word shalom, and in the Greek, um, the word irene are very close. Um, and so when we think of kingdom flourishing, it's really, uh, and shalom um, is talking about a flourishing in every aspect of life. So it's, it's spiritually, it's relationally. It's physically, it's emotionally, it's vocationally, and so it's a it's a flourishing that encompasses really every aspect of our life. And of course, that is the way it was in the beginning in creation with Adam and Eve before the fall. And then um, you know it's what we get to look forward to in the new heavens and the new earth. Um, but I think those two words really. Uh, and I think shalom is used over 200 times in the Old Testament, Irene, over 100 times. And so as God describes, right, how he created man and the intention of uh, our lives and our relationships, it really gets back to those, those words. Oh, cool. Thank you, Chip. Tony, what would you add to that? Yeah, when I think of kingdom flourishing, I think one of the images that's been helpful for me is using the <clears throat> the picture of the cross, the vertical beam and the horizontal beam. And, um, you know, vertical beam obviously is our reconciliation with us and God, you know, the gospel, but then there's horizontal implications to that and our reconciliation with each other. But I think a lot of times, and I know Jeff, you've talked about this, but 
in the church, we sometimes stop there. But just to say, actually, that the, the horizontal beam of the cross goes further, and it has actual social implications. It, it transforms everything around us, kind of like you said, Chip. It flourishes uh, things around us, and so the entire social order is brought under the lordship, the kingship of Christ. And there's something beautiful and and wonderful, and shalom is experienced in that reign of Christ. And so, <clears throat> the implications of the cross being vertical and horizontal is it goes that far out. Uh, into the world around us. And so, yeah, so I think that's that's helpful to remember that even when you're far out on those kind of social implications, that it's still tethered to the cross. It's not a thing separated from Jesus, but it's an implication of the gospel uh, itself. So, you know, I, I like to think of a, a helpful, to make a real-life illustration, I think about William Wilberforce in, in England, and a man who was deeply committed to, to God, Christ the gospel, but he worked in, in England as a politician to bring about the abolition of slavery, right? And so his Christ-centered um, view of life led him to see that there was a need for the abolition of slavery, and he, he worked for that. And I think that's an example, a real-life example of uh, a Christ-centered man who pursued kingdom flourishing where he yeah. lived. Mm, that's you know? good. So You know, I think the verse that really kind of helps us understand that this flourishing, this shalom, this this irene that uh, that God designed us for can't be found through any type of uh, social activism or or religious experience or something. It's only found through the person of Jesus Christ and and faith in Him uh, through Him in which we are reconciled to God first and foremost, and then through Him experiencing that shalom, that irene, that peace. Uh, vertically, to your point, Tony, vertically, and then displaying that peace, bringing that peace horizontally. And so the verse is, is um, Ephesians 4, when Paul's teaching the Ephesians here, he says, uh, he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself, this is, this is beautiful language, for he himself is our peace. He's our arena. So the flourishing that we long for can only be found in him. And then it says, who has made us both one uh, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So immediately the implication of the flourishing of Jesus in, in the sense of the vertical flourishing that we get through knowing him and the reconciliation with God, the immediate implication that Paul pulls out is that there's reconciliation and flourishing happening among each other, uh, among one another. And then he says, by abolishing, yeah, what did I say? Ephesians 4. Oh, sorry. Ephesians, Ephesians 2. 2. Yeah, Chip <laughs> just corrected me. Uh, <laughs> I said Ephesians 4. I meant Ephesians 2. Sorry, Ephesians 2, 13 and 14 is what I'm reading here. But then he says this in verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. So there it is again. So he, he's bringing Arene both in... Um, he's bringing flourishing both in how we relate to God now through his finished work on the cross and his resurrection, but then he's also bringing this fullness, this wholeness, this completedness, this this flourishing in our relationships with one another, with one another and the world at large. And you think about the world right now, right? I mean, you think about, and not just right now, but throughout history, but we just see it so, so um, you know, tangibly right now. This is what everybody's longing for. Everybody wants to flourish. Everybody's longing for human flourishing. And one of the reasons you might hear us say sometimes, hey, the church is the hope of the world. Some people may hear that and go, well, man, church is really messed up. How can it be the hope of the world? It's like, well, we're not saying that the church is the hope of the world. We're saying that the church has the message that is the hope of the world, which is Jesus. Because he's the only one through which flourishing happens. Um, and so when you talk about kingdom flourishing, what is it? You have to, it has to be so incredibly centered on, on Jesus. Right? So we're talking about it being centered on Jesus, which is, which is huge, which kind of leads to the next question. So if that's the case, then what are we not talking about when we talk about the kingdom of God or kingdom flourishing? Chip, you had a some really good thoughts before we started here, but what are we not 
What do we not mean by kingdom flourishing? Um, well, I think we're, um, what we're not talking about is, um, number one, that it's just about deed. It's just about actions. It's just about um, what we're doing in the community. Uh, but kingdom flourishing really encapsulates right every relationship. And I, I think another way uh, that's helpful in defining kingdom flourishing is the four relationships. Relationship with God, a right relationship with God, which we just, both Tony and Jeff just hit on in terms of it's, it's through Christ and Him alone. It's a right relationship with self in that, you know, our identity in Christ is found in Him. Um, it's right relationship with others, which includes those that are like us, but also those that are not like us. And then right relationship with world, how, how the God has really wired us and designed us um, in such a way with our gifts and talents and abilities and callings to be able to make an impact to the world. Yeah, you know, we, we talked a little bit about suffering, um, and we, we don't want to paint a, a false picture. Certainly the, the kingdom of God has been inaugurated by Jesus. Um, we don't see the kingdom of God come in all its fullness apart from Christ yet, so we're, st- we're still waiting. Um, so where does suffering fit in mm. with this, Jeff? Yeah, that's, a, that's such an important question. I've actually been asked, as I've tried to explain kingdom flourishing in various venues over the last month or so, um, rightfully so, that question's come up. Like, okay, are you saying that the more we are you know, walking with Jesus in union with Him, united to Him in His death and resurrection, that there will be in increasingly less suffering in our lives. Is that what you mean by flourishing? And so, yeah, I need to very clearly say, no, that's, that's not what we're saying because of this reality. Um, what Jesus inaugurated was he, he inaugurated the kingdom of God, but, but only in part right now, right? We're getting foretastes of the fullness of the kingdom to come. Another way to think about it, perhaps, is that we're we're getting little nuggets here and there of the fullness of the kingdom to come, right? right? And so we're still very much living in this already, not yet, where we are getting these foretastes of the coming kingdom, and that's what we're calling flourishing, that, that, that we would say, God, would you bring more and more? I mean, this is what Jesus prayed, right, when he said, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're praying that, and we're asking God to do that, and we know and understand that He won't do that completely until He returns. Right. And so in the meantime, there's going to be suffering, absolutely, and God's been, made it very clear in Scripture that it'll happen a lot for the Christian. So we're seeking to bring this renewing work of God to bear uh, on the earth with the full understanding that w- it will only be in part now, and we will still battle hard against the flesh and against the tyranny of sin, both in us and around us, and all the ways in which that brings brokenness and all the ways in which it brings messiness and the, just the fractured nature of life on this side of heaven. I want to read to you real quick. Um, I love this quote I came across the other day where this even speaks to how we view, uh, even as a Christian, how are you viewing the world that you're living in right now as it pertains to where it's ultimately going to end and how it's ultimately going to end when Christ returns. But uh, a good friend of mine, Scotty Smith, um, uh, he tweeted this out and I thought it was really good. He said, the whole trajectory of the New Testament isn't how soon can I get out of this messy world? But how soon will Jesus' return to finish make how soon will Jesus return to finish making all things new? The first one leads to fear and navel gazing. The second one leads to missional loving and living. And I love that because the second one, when we know, hey, Jesus is beginning this renewing process now, in part, he will finish it when he comes again. So I get to be a part of that renewal process right now that includes suffering, but I know what's coming. And so because I know what's coming, I get to actually engage in that renewing work now and embrace the suffering that comes with it, uh, with hope, with expectation. 
And we're not just all on life, life rafts floating around until God destroys it all. We're, we're actually a, being a part of the renewing work that he's doing already, mm-hmm. right? So which, I think which even is exciting. Yeah, go ahead, Chip. Well, I was just thinking what uh, Jesus revealed to Paul. Uh, you know, Paul talks about this thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that uh, was, but Paul was begging for the Lord to take it away. And um, I love what Jesus says to him, and it still blows me away. But in 2 Corinthians 12, um, 8 and 9, he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Um, and Paul you know, goes right to, wow, I'm going to boast all the more gladly then of my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so I think that goes along with, again, that suffering is part of our um, existence and even our life and flourishing until the new heavens and new earth. Yeah, I want to talk briefly about um, just a framework. So if I'm a perimeter member, what kind of framework do I need to have as I think about kingdom flourishing or city impact? And Jeff, I'm going to come back to you in just a second, because you started to already go there at the beginning, just kind of walking us through the biblical storyline, creation and consummation. Something that you said, Tony, when we were discussing beforehand uh, regarding a framework, I thought was really, really helpful. Could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, I think one framework that we can use to kind of think about city impact, which is kind of now the the, I guess the how of kingdom flourishing. If we, if we take kingdom flourishing and how are we going to apply that here at Perimeter, um, I think one framework we can use is kind of this this rhythm of the Sabbath rhythm that God's given us in Scripture. He's called us to a day of rest and then um, six days of work, right? And so uh, I think one phrase that we can use is kind of where the church gathered and the church scattered, and that Sunday we come as the church gathered for for rest, for Sabbath, to to receive, to hear God's word, uh, to receive the sacrament, to be encouraged in this covenant community. It's this unique sacred space. Uh, but then we're sent out where the church scattered Monday through Saturday. That we are living as a church in our cities. It's kind of our tagline for City Impact. That we are uh, out of the rest that we receive. That we are now working from that rest uh, to expand the kingdom of God. That that this kingdom flourishing that we seek to see is now being lived out in our cities. And so I think it's one framework uh, to think through is that God's given us that that weekly rhythm and that one of the ways we're expressing that is through city impact, kind of church scattered or church gathered to church scattered. So yeah, and I'm, I think I'm going to come back to you on something, Tony, but mm-hmm. Jeff, let's talk a little bit more about, you've talked about a, a five pillar gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, so why is it so important uh, that we think that way. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the why behind the five pillar gospel, but also maybe expand on that a little bit. Yeah, and which, by the way, I think it's important to know that I totally ripped that off. The five of course pillar gospel. Yeah, I mean, you know, but that's what we do. That's though. what we do, right? That is yeah. what we do. Uh, somebody else, I think, came up with a four pillar gospel, and then I was like, well, let's add one more to it that I'm sure I've heard someone else say at some point. So. Um, yeah, so with the five-pillar gospel, and, and what I want to speak to here is just even how um, the five-pillar gospel, as it were, how it feeds into why we think about City Impact the way that we do, right? And so um, in the last, I don't know, I'm just going to throw out round numbers here, but let's just say in the last 100 years of the American church, uh, 75 years maybe is more accurate, we've really, for the most part, the evangelical conservative Protestant church has only, by and large, espoused a two-pillar gospel, which is to say uh, man is sinful, mankind is sinful, and there's a Savior, and His name is Jesus. And our sin problem that alienates us from God is only uh, only resolved and, and dealt with through Jesus on the cross and His resurrection, to which we would say yes and amen. That's... That it's that is not less than the gospel. That is the gospel. Uh, many millions, millions have come to faith through that two pillar gospel. And so we're. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing by any means. But is there more? Is there more to the biblical story that we could say? Hey, there's there's actually a few more pillars to the grand story that God has written 
And uh, and so that's why we say it's it's a five pillar gospel. And instead of starting in Genesis three with your first pillar, we want to start in Genesis one. And what we see in Genesis one is we see what I was mentioning earlier a little bit is that God created uh, all things, and we were the p- pinnacle of His creation. We were the ones of all of His creation, man and woman, were the only ones made in His image. And that the purpose He gave us, just to reiterate here because it's so important. He put us on this earth so that we would image him in all the earth. And part of that imaging, and this is key, I think the typical way we think about imaging God, at least for me, and I think others have told me this, we just t- tend to think physically, right? Okay, well, God must look something like me. He must have a head of some sort, arms, legs, feet, you know, and that must be what he meant that we were the only ones made in his image in that way. I was like, well, not necessarily. Animals have legs and feet and, you know, maybe hands at some level, but but paws and all this. So, And we learn from Scripture that God is not a human like we are, but is a spirit. So really, the imaging that God's talking about there is more about who we are. What is our character? How do we go about imaging Him in all the earth and and how we do what we do? And so that's why He tells us in, in 126 through 28, be fruitful and multiply, and have dominion over the earth, subdue it, work it, keep it, as he says at the beginning of chapter two. So all that God's telling us there is he's saying, look, I've, I've made you to be creators like me, to be cultivators like me, to create beauty, to make things beautiful, and to take the glory of God that you possess into all the earth. Well, Genesis 3 now has a whole new meaning in the sense of what, what Adam and Eve bought, the lie they bought. Because do you remember what the, the serpent told them? The serpent said, God knows if you eat of this, tr- this fruit, you will what? Be like God. Be like God. Mm-hmm. To which they should have said what? We already are like we God. We already are like God. What are you talking about? What do you mean be like God? We, are, yeah. we already are like God. And so they totally missed it. And when they bought that lie... And they didn't believe in their identity of who they are as image bearers of God. Then they brought into the world the tarnishing, the, 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 uh, the fracturing, the marred nature of now the image of God. So we, we still bear the image of God, but it's severely tarnished. And we have totally lost and misunderstood. First, we lost our relationship with God through sin. So fellowship was broken with him. And we totally now misunderstand our purpose to be creators, to be cultivators, to bring the shalom of God to bear everywhere we go. So when Jesus shows up onto the scene, don't you find it interesting that he didn't begin his ministry by saying, individual salvation is here. Mm. Repent and believe. What he said was, what? Kingdom of God. The is kingdom there. of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Mm-hmm. What does he mean by that? Please don't hear me saying that individual salvation isn't real. Of course, every single one of us have to repent and believe individually upon Christ as our Lord and Savior. But to what end? Just so that we can be saved and escape this broken world? No, so that the kingdom of God will come again. So that the reign and rule of God, as it were, in Genesis 1 and 2, will begin again. And king, the king back is on his throne. Jesus is on the throne, and he's the only one through whom the flourishing comes. So individual salvation is not the end of the story. Individual salvation is actually the beginning of the story that propels us into now a renewing work with God to bring shalom, to bring kingdom flourishing on earth as it is in heaven. So with that now, we go, oh, well, that's what City Impact is. City Impact is saying, how do we, yes, proclaim the gospel where we live? Yes, of course, share the gospel that people may know Jesus and be saved. To what end? So that they can now join in the story of the renewing work of God to bring the kingdom to bear and to bring shalom first to the individual heart, but then to everything we touch. So where we live, transformation happens. In the individual, in the family, in our systems, in our structures, in our uh, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our community events, 
uh, in our civic institutions and in everything that we do and create. Remember, that's what we're made to do, create and cultivate, make things beautiful to the glory of God. Now it all fits together. And we're just doing a renewing work that will come to fruition in all of its fullness when Jesus returns, right? And so you even get into, and I, I've, I've already talked too long probably, I'm doing a little sermonette here, but you even get into eschatology, right? We talked a little bit about this before we hit record. You get into eschatology. What do we believe about the end times? What do we believe about when Jesus comes? And there is a, there's a couple of ways, that, there's three ways in particular that people tend to think about how this is going to happen. And one of the ways believes that everything's going to go to pot. Everything's going to just you know, continue to deteriorate. So what's the point in trying to bring renewal? So just get as many people saved as you possibly can, and let's just hang out until it all blows up. There's another view that says everything's going to increasingly get better, and there's going to be a reality of less and less suffering and more and more renewal and renewal to, to, to a great degree, and then Jesus will come. We sit in the middle of those two. Our, the, our theological grid is one that sits in the middle of those two that says, hey, both are true. Things are going to deteriorate. Things are going to be bad because of sin in the world. But there is a renewing work God is doing that will last and that will be made new fully and completely upon his return. And so that's what we're aiming for with City Impact is that holistic transformation to be done. So Okay. Add one thing yeah, onto that. Um, just to, and this kind of goes back to one of your questions, but it'll relate is what is city impact or what is kingdom flourishing not? Right. And again, one of the things like we're not losing our tethering of personal evangelism. Like that is still going to be part of kingdom flourishing and city impact. You know, I think one of the ways it relates to the four pillar gospels, again, that we've typically maybe been a society or a church that's been two pillar gospel. And so the way people have come to Christ is through knowing about your sin, here's a savior. But I think another way it relates is as we, it's not just that indiv- as individuals are saved that they will flourish, but another way is that to introduce an unbeliever to the gospel by introducing them to pillar one or pillar four, as they see a, tr- a city that's flourishing or church that is uh, cares about flourishing, you may not start with pillar two of the gospel. You may not tell them right away about their sin per se, but you might build a bridge to the gospel as you're a coworker with somebody and talk about work and how work was intended by God, and and yet maybe that'll lead to a discussion about the brokenness and the the toil of work, and then that will lead to sin, that will lead to Jesus, and so it could be that. Or people experiencing, why are you, why do you care about the poor in the city? Why do you care about these issues of justice in the city? And then we'll tie it back to it's because of Jesus, you know. Right. And so I think there's also like to realize these are all tied together. We, we're not losing our grip on the need for people to come to know Christ. We're just building more bridges. Uh, and we think a holistic gospel actually creates more on-ramps for people to be introduced to the beauty of Jesus and their need for salvation. Yeah, and too. Tony, if I may, I, I think what you're saying is so important, especially we when we consider the reality that we have to embrace, that we're living in a post-Christian mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. You know, the two-pillar gospel was very effective when we were living in a Christian culture. Yeah. Uh, but we're increasingly not, right? And so, and it might be, I don't think I ever said, what are the five pillars? Well, the five pillars are creation, fall, redemption, restoration, which is that process between yeah. faith in Christ and and uh, and then consummation, the fifth pillar, which is when he comes again, or we might call it completion, and when he finishes making all things new. And so to your point, man, in a post-Christian world, it's not that we're afraid to talk about sin. I mean, we got to talk about it for sure. But your first starting point with someone who says, man, I just want to find beauty, right? That's a big thing right now in mm-hmm. the post-Christian. Where's, where's the beauty in the world? I was like, well, I can tell you where beauty is, right? And this restoring work that God's doing. So you start with the fourth pillar, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. and then move back from there to say, well, here's why there has to be a restoring work being done because, because of the second pillar. Right. Of sin. So, yeah, yeah that, what you bring up there is so, so critical. You know, you, you mentioned several key relationships with some of what you were describing, Jeff, uh, a bit ago. You know, Chip, I want you to answer this question um, because it's something that you have harped on as long as I have known you, um, which is so, so cool and so defining of Chip Sweeney. But you've mm-hmm. said it is all about 
relationships. Now, you just earlier you talked about four different ways that we image God. Um, can you expand on that or expound on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I think you know Jeff was talking about um, how we image God. I think one of the also one of the primary ways we image God is through relationships. And you think about the Trinity is the ultimate example, right, of um, relationship and community uh, between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And He's made us that way. And uh, I think it's interesting a little bit uh, to think about our life at the end, or I say at the end of our life here on earth, and we begin to reflect on what's important. And I think for the most part, Right, we're not going to um, say that what we accomplished or what we accumulated is necessarily what's been the most important part of our life, but it is in relationships with those that are close to us. And so, as we think about kingdom flourishing, I think a uh, an easy way, in some ways, is to think about it's the right relationship in four arenas, and we we mentioned this, but right relationship with God. And we've already talked about that can only be through Jesus Christ. And if the vertical, if this right relationship with God through Christ is not there, we really can't have a right relationship in the other arenas. But it doesn't stop at just the right relationship with God. And so right relationship with self, um, you know, we think about our identity in Christ, right? Is our identity really in Him or is it in approval and performance, which quite frankly are challenges for me. Uh, I can be a, an approval and a performance addict, um, but right when our identity is truly in Him, then we, we're healthy. We have a right relationship with self. Also, as humans, we're both body and soul. And so we have to really think about our uh, physical health and our emotional health um, in terms of flourishing and kingdom flourishing. Um, are we at a good spot physically as well as emotionally? I think we'd all, I know in my own life, I can say where I've struggled even with anxiety and depression, that when that is off kilter, it affects everything else. Uh, right relationship with others. Uh, boy, I think the easier side of right relationship with others is with those like us those that look like us, those that think like us. Um, but I think where, where Jesus focuses and where the kingdom comes to play is in right relationship with those that are different than us, different ethnically, different politically, um, you know, different in the way we worship or the way we, um, the way we go about things, um, loving our enemies and so the kingdom right relationship uh, incorporates both those like us and those not like us. And then right relationship with the world, um, I think one of the neat ways to, to think about that is that each of us as followers of Christ um, have been uh, given gifts and abilities and talents uh, and even callings uh, that uh, he has given us and he has wired us. And so how do we then uh, utilize how he's made us in our life? And I think two primary areas is in work, right? Where a lot of us spend a vast majority of our week is spent at work. And, and that's the kingdom of God um, is our work and how we work, um, and the value of our work and doing good work and doing good work, you know, for the just common good of others. Uh, and then I think about just how God has wired us. Jeff mentioned this, but our spheres of influence, right? The schools where our kids are or uh, civic institutions. Um, so I think the four relationships are a great grid for us to evaluate ourselves and even be able to talk to others about, um, you know, kingdom flourishing, but also how are we doing in life uh, and be able to use those, I think is really helpful. Yeah. You know, Tony, um, I said I was going to come back to you uh, and I wanted to ask you a little bit more about just living as the church in our cities. You talked about 
um, the church gathered and scattered, and we see pictures of that in Scripture of the church being called out and at the same time being sent into. Um, can you elaborate that on that a little bit? And I know we're going to discuss this in the second part of this two-part series, uh, more about the what of kingdom flourishing, the more more the what of city impact. But talk about what does it look like to live as the church in our cities, very specifically Johns Creek, Peachtree Corners, Duluth, and I could keep naming them, but what do you mean by that? Yeah, maybe I could I'll try to make it a little bit of a story. So I work with the City Impact Department, and one of the things that we were wrestling with is like, how do we explain this well to the church? Because there's a lot of questions, confusion, like, is this community outreach? Is it, are we trying to transform the city? you know, government and things like that. Like, what, what is this exactly? And so uh, there was a meeting where we were just sitting in the room, like, uh, what's a simple phrase, but uh, hopefully a profound phrase that can help? And where, where we landed was living as a church in our cities. And so what is that? I mean, a few things, we could break down that phrase, like the word church is in there, right? So it's perimeter. It's our DNA, our values of worship, uh, belong, grow, bless. Like, we want that the church, but we want that in the city. So it's taking what we've always done, which is why, again, this is not a new thing, but it's what we've always done at Perimeter. Now we're saying we want to, in some ways, have that lived out in our cities that we represent, you know, so there, and then living, right, living as the church in our cities. So that, again, that kind of that church gathered, church scattered idea that we are now just living out this kingdom flourishing, this gospel in the places that God's placed us, where we kind of live, work, and play, that sort of idea. So, yeah, what will that look like practically? I mean, again, I think that framework of worship, belong, grow, bless, right? That's who we are as perimeter. We're now just kind of planting that in the cities. We're planting those same values in the cities. So we worship in the cities. We gather for prayer. Right now we have monthly prayer uh, in the city, in a lot of the cities. We, we would encourage neighborhood prayer walks. Uh, so you worship in those ways. You belong. We will we want to see, and there are like connect groups, you know, or neighborhood groups where you connect with other people. You feel like you have community um, in your cities. You, you grow, you have discipleship, and we're hoping that more and more people as they think about their discipleship groups would be geographic, people even in their own neighborhoods. And then bless. Um, you know, I think it would be awesome if connect groups or discipleship groups would be, sure, places to belong, but places to invite where where your unbelieving neighbor could come and and connect with your your uh, your group and start to be introduced to the church and to Christ, um, and then obviously serving opportunities can be local instead of driving thirty minutes or driving into the city of Atlanta, which you still could do, but you can serve. There's needs right in your local city, your community, um, and so those are some of the ways that yeah. So it's it's definitely for us bigger than just community outreach. I think some people have misunderstood that. It's actually all the things that you have already done at Perimeter for, if you've been part of Perimeter for 25 years, it's actually the same thing you've been doing, but we're just kind of centering it more geographically. So so yeah. not a new thing. It's an older thing. Yeah. So Jeff, with that, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Yeah. So what I'm going to do, Travis, is uh, I was sitting here thinking is we're about to wrap up. You facilitated all this, the questions, but I said at the top of the podcast, you're you're kind of the resident expert in the room. So any final thoughts you have, any anything that you're chewing on as you listen to us that you would want to give further comment to or or even pose a question for our listeners to be thinking about before we do part two? Yeah, I think where we're going to go in the second part of this is really get into getting into some of the practical, well, what does this actually look like? And we're going to talk about some stories because I think it would be very easy for us to just kind of sit here and postulate about what we think <laughs> some of these terms might mean. Um, and also at just asking, because we hear it, you know, and we've heard the questions asked, you know, is this a new thing? Is City Impact, is it just a new initiative? We're going to do it for a while and then we're going to switch and do something else right. going forward. Uh, but I think it's important just to remember this is not a, it's not a new thing. And I think you said that very well, um, just in unpacking our vision and our history as a church. So I think, um, yeah, we'll dive in more deeply next and even look maybe at scripture um, at how some of the early Christians in the first century were actually, actually living out city impact in their context. Mm -hmm. Different context in some ways, but in some ways, I mean, we're, we're swimming, more increasingly so, swimming in a post-Christian context. Right. And so there's some 
dissimilarities, but also some similarities as well. So that's going to be a, a lot of fun yeah. to talk about. That's good. Yeah, I'll, I'll close with one thought here. Uh, Tony, you were talking about the rhythms that we have to have in our lives. And uh, from a biblical standpoint, there's some interesting language in the Old Testament. Um, you, you see it showing up with Joshua. It continues with with David. And it's this language as, as they're leading the nation of Israel. It says, and they led them out, and then they brought them in. Or they went out before the people, and then they came in before the people. And there's never any explanation given as to what those phrases mean, which tells us that the original audience knew what was being said there. But for us, we read that and we're like, what does that mean? And uh, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know that we fully understand what it means, but my best guess is that what they were doing as leaders of God's people is they were saying there has to be rhythm, really healthy rhythms of going out and in, in uh, efforts of courage, you might call it, towards a greater cause, and then being and then leading in to safe spaces of community to be cared for. And that has to be the rhythms, right? So you talk about gathered and scattered. Well, what has God given us? He's given us a rhythm to where on a weekly basis through the Sabbath, we're being brought into safe community to be cared for, right? And then what do we do in Monday through Saturday? Now, we might have little pockets of care along the way with your discipleship group and your connect group or whatever it may be. But by and large, Monday through Saturday is you're, you're moving out into, uh, into an effort of courage towards a greater cause, and we call that missional living. We call that, you know, there's different ways that we can call that. But so we're going out for a cause. We're being brought in to be cared for. Um, and that's that rhythm that God has naturally given us. And that's the rhythm of City Impact, that we want to be the church scattered, moving out towards a cause. We want to be the church gathered uh, to care for one another as we sit in the care of God corporately together. So um, so we, we can even talk more about that next in, in, in the in the next podcast when we do part two and what does that look like practically right that's the question we want to answer next time what does it look like to lead in and to lead out uh, in a very practical way in in city impact so um, thanks for joining us there's a little bit longer than we normally do for these actually our biblical our, our uh, thinking biblically podcasts are typically a little bit longer than our than our digging deeper ones uh, but hopefully for very good reason and for you the listener, uh, hopefully it's been a blessing to you and even helped you understand a little bit more of what we're trusting God for and where he's leading us as it pertains to City Impact and where we're going as a church. So uh, if you're listening and you're not a part of Perimeter Church um, and you live in the area, we'd love to have you come visit. We'd love to have you be a part of what God's doing here. If you're listening and you're not in the Atlanta area, uh, perhaps something we share today can be something that can be encouragement to you and to your church uh, and as you consider where God may be leading you, um, and leading out and leading in, so to speak. So, uh, but we'll be back soon with part two. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, may Christ satisfy you. May he be your joy in every way. Until next time. <laughs>